and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real-life HR situations we face every day. Welcome to today's episode. Today I am joined by Holly De Palma. She is a certified talent optimization consultant with the Predictive Index and managing director of the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association. Holly, I'm so glad that you were able to jump on with me today. Um, There's been some craziness in my schedule, so it was really nice to be able to finally get face-to-face for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I thought maybe we could start with you sharing a little bit about your actual background and experience in the HR space. I often um, introduce myself as a former HR director, Um, but uh, yes, I worked in the HR space. I came out of college before, uh, before we all had computers on our desks and before email. So I started my career recruiting at a very large um, university health system and moved into um, uh, more generalist and HR management roles. From there, went into um, leadership roles in really um, a variety of different industries. I was fortunate enough or maybe unfortunate to experience the, the initial dot-com boom um, before the turn of the century which was crazy and fun and exciting out in San Francisco. Um, And then also um, was in New York, kind of pivoted a little bit and ran a bit of of an operations chief of staff role because people were so consequential to our success at that time. Um, And um, I've been working as a consultant, I would say, for the last eight years and um, have found my right role. I love that. You know, so many times we on our journey learn from the things we're not good at rather than the things we are really great at. Uh, So I love that you're being just transparent about your background and um, you've come to such a great spot where you're at. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you. Um, You have this very unique hybrid role working at these two different companies. And so what we're really going to focus on today is personality assessments. So I thought we could start with maybe highlighting a little bit about what are personality assessments and who are the big players in this space? Assessments are ubiquitous, right? They are everywhere. And um, I would say um, recognition-wise, some of the big assessments are um, Myers-Briggs. And one of the reasons Myers-Briggs is so well-known is it's used in almost every MBA program. So business students come take their Myers-Briggs assessment. Um, Myers-Briggs, there's Hogan, there's um, Caliper. Um, Predictive Index is the assessment tool that I use. And when we you say you said personality assessment, and I said assessments, and that's because there are so many other Um, Some assessments have other uh, evaluations in the mix in addition to um, behavior or personality, which would be things like cognitive assessment um, and judgment and things like that. So there's there's 
tons of assessments out there. Yeah, it's interesting as I was prepping for our session today, um, HBO recently did a documentary on Myers-Briggs called Persona. It's fascinating if you're in the HR space and you've taken Myers-Briggs. It's just, um, it's a really fascinating documentary. I won't give anything away, but you should definitely check it out. Um, are assessments accurate? And the reason I ask this question is because not all personality assessments are based on sound science. And I'm not talking about like BuzzFeed assessments, but like the assessments that we are using with employees. I want to comment on the the HBO show Persona. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and I highly recommend people watch it. Um, so when evaluating assessments or when looking at assessments to use, and, and I'm I'm going to only base this discussion on business because you can you can have a great family dinner with them and all kinds of different things. But um, when you're using an assessment in business, you want to understand, ask yourself, you know, what am I trying to accomplish using this assessment? And then you're going to want to look and understand the science behind the assessment um, to assess and ascertain the fairness, if you will. In persona, the the um, the it's a the documentary is very, very clear and transparent about how the Myers-Briggs was created. And it was created by observation. So observing people and how they act rather than using the um, uh, a deeper kind of science. And um, I can really only speak for the science that is behind the predictive index, which is rigorous. It's depends on how the test is created. These are all things I don't quite understand, but the the difference in most assessments is the, the way the questions are asked. And when there are forced choice tests, they can be less statistically significant than an independent stimulus tool. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It's It's so fascinating to me you know, like you said, using that our conversation today is around business, but we've totally used the Myers-Briggs at the, at the family table and had, you know, jokes about um, strengths that we've seen or, or opportunities in other people. Um, as you've worked with assessment, is there a concern with introducing bias? And maybe that question kind of goes along with, you know, what have you seen employers use assessments for? And is there a concern about bias? You know, actually, um, assessments, um, you know, they can help reduce um, the risk of, I would say, probably adverse impact is the wrong word. But some of the advantages of using assessments is you're getting objective data to use in a process that is typically subjective, which means there is implicit bias. Um, in the process. And, and let me use um, as an example, hiring. When you use the typical interview process in hiring, you're using much more subjective evaluation tools to, to assess the quote unquote fit of a candidate, right? We can evaluate your years of experience, the appropriate level of experience, and really your resume, if you will. But when we start to evaluate what motivates an individual and really how they're going to do the job, we're bringing our own implicit bias to those questions. 
And many of us don't even realize what our biases are. And we all have them. It's the way our brains work. It's not saying that you're a bad or good person. It is just the way our brains work. So when you add in a level of objective data, it actually helps you to minimize the effect of those unconscious biases. I talk a lot in anecdotal stories. And I had a a job once where I wished they used some assessment to say, Holly, you are not a good fit for us. And it was... It was a miserable eight months of my life where we were figuring out that I was just not the right fit for this role and for this company. And yeah, looking back, it was it was painful. And um, some assessment might have been really helpful (laughs) to get us, you know, fast forwarded past those eight months. I do think, you know, when you can find assessments that are actually rooted in some of that science that we talked about and the statistical analysis and really honing in on what it is you're trying to measure and making sure that that whole even idea behind what you want to measure isn't introducing bias to begin with. Obviously, cultural fit is important. Um, but I think more important is, you know, will this role align to to what your passions are? Will you be successful in it? Um, it's interesting when you look at the Myers-Briggs assessment, CPP really has opposed the use using that for screening applicants because that assessment wasn't designed to predict performance or aptitude. It's helpful when thinking about individuals like self-assessment or career development or conflict resolution. So you have to be really careful about what your intent is in using an assessment. We use them here internally um, at Paylocity, but they're all driven by, you know, post-hire. It's, you know, team development, it's individual development, it's how do we understand each other, how do we speak each other's language, those kinds of things. Um, are there are there any pros to using a personality-specific assessment during the hiring process, you know, or should we focus more on some of those very science-based uh, approaches? That's a great question. And when you when you enter any kind of evaluation tool into the hiring process, it has to be valid and appropriate for the job. So for instance, if you use Microsoft in your workplace and you're hiring someone to do certain administrative tasks, some kind of Microsoft Office assessment test is 100% appropriate. You're, you're, you're identifying what the needs are of the job from a technical Microsoft Office perspective, and then you're hiring to that. So you're going to test for that and evaluate. It's kind of like, um, you know, (laughs) you don't remember this, I'm sure, but back in the day, we had typing tests, right? Which were how fast can you type? Grammar tests, those kinds of things. So a test has to be a valid test that's predicting success of the job. When you use an assessment to assess the needs of a job from a personality or behavioral standpoint, some of these instances are, or some of these drivers are, do I need somebody to work with and through others, or do I need them to be more task-oriented and sort of heads-down, detail-oriented? How much risk will I want this person to make in decision-making? Will they need to be comfortable with making decisions without all the information there? Do I want somebody to be proactive 
or do I want them to be responsive? These are personality and behavioral traits. And we can assess a job and what the needs of that job are, and then assess a person's fit. One of, one of the, I had this experience um, recently with, with someone I worked with, and we were looking to hire um, an executive assistant. And the, um, the CEO of the organization said to me, I want this person to, they're going to have a lot of confidential information. I don't want them talking at the water cooler. I don't want them in this office place really to make friends. I'm going to need them to be much more private and very careful with information. I don't want, you know, they decisions must be done right the first time, et cetera. So basically all along, he's explaining to me a candidate who at first blush in an interview may not be outwardly likable because you want somebody who's private. You want somebody who's not going to share information. So so the, the opportunity to add behavioral data to say to him, this candidate will do X, Y, and Z naturally. Now, don't try and make a best friend when you're interviewing, right? Like, don't try to say, well, we didn't connect. This person doesn't connect quickly. So when we add these levels of scientific data around people, when we know what we need and we can hire to that, it really helps everybody because interviewing is a two-way street. I completely agree about hiring being a two-way street. We talk about that a lot, especially now in you know, the environment we're in where a lot of interviews are happening now via Zoom. And if you don't have, you know, a fake background on, you know, you're in as an interviewee and interviewer, you're getting a peek and decide inside somebody's home that you never had before. So it's, um, it's absolutely two way. It's, it's definitely a little bit more vulnerable than it was before. One of the pieces that Persona, the documentary had shown, and, and I'm curious your perspective on this is there was part of it where you know, uh, candidates, applicants were going to a training. Basically, it was a training on how to f- fake the system, for lack of a better descriptor. Have you seen that? And in, in, uh, how is that being addressed as far as, like, applicants kind of faking their way through these assessments? Um, or is that not a big concern that, that you've seen in your work? The assessment that I use, because it is an independent stimulus tool, has a 7% distortion rate, which is very low. So there are different, it's hard for me to answer this question. Let me put it this way. It's not hard to figure out when someone is trying to fake certain assessments. And when that happens, there's a great opportunity to have a very transparent conversation. So tell me about what happened when you were taking this assessment. And it usually absolutely blows somebody's mind. And I always offer somebody the opportunity to retake it if I know that they have um, tried to distort the, the results. And the reason being is this. It's not enough to just know somebody's natural comfort and their style, but it's most important to be able to assess how able an individual is to flex their style. And that's the real importance here is saying, let's use the, um, the inverse. Saying to somebody who is more 
um, more uh, takes time to connect with people and a little bit more private and a little bit more task-oriented than people-oriented. It's the opportunity to say, hey, a big part of this job is going to be working with and through people. And I'd like to understand how comfortable you are and how do you tell me about a time that you had to work with other people and not telling them what to do, but really collaborating with them to get a job done, right? So it is a, it's an opera, this presents an opportunity to have this very objective conversation about very subjective things, which are, well, he seems nice, right? Or she seems, you know, she seems like she'll fit in well, like let's really get some data and evaluate it. One more question for you. And then I want to leave the audience with some kind of real tactical takeaways on personality assessment. So you work with the predictive index. I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit about that assessment. Um, and if somebody wants to reach out to you specifically to learn more, how do they do that? So the predictive index um, has been around since 1955, is rooted in a very deep level of science. We have a variety of different assessments. Um, We have a suite of assessments in our toolkit, if you will. We are a SAS system. So you're not calling up and saying, can you do an assessment on this person? You actually are using the assessments, we say, from hire to retire. So we have a job assessment, which evaluates the behavioral and cognitive needs of a job. We have a behavioral assessment, which assesses an individual's behavioral or personality level, where sort of how they work most comfortably. We have a cognitive assessment, which is assess- which assesses how quickly an individual learns and applies new concepts. And we use these assessments. We also have a, um, a strategy assessment, which takes individuals' behavioral um, uh, results and we look at how that means your overall, how that informs your overall style as individuals and as teams. And really, how might we need to think differently to deliver the results in the way that we strategically need to? We also have an engagement series. So we have a whole kit and caboodle of um, different assessments to help workplaces work more efficiently. I liken it as a Fitbit. You don't put on a Fitbit and get in shape. You put a Fitbit on and it gives you, or your Apple, you know, heart emoji, whatever that is, the uh, fitness tracker or whatever. It gives you data to make decisions differently. So what we're giving you is data about people to make better decisions and help people work more effectively together. And anybody can reach out to me uh, by, via my email, which is hdepama, H-D-E-P-A-L-M-A, at M-E-A-I-N-F-O, M-E-A-I-N-F-O dot org. And happy to share some discussion. Also, my LinkedIn, Holly DePama. Great. I, you know, I, I love it when um, somebody's willing to connect on LinkedIn. I think that's uh, so great. We talked about HR networking a few episodes ago, and so I'm always looking for opportunities to connect with people. Um, if you're listening and you're deciding to go down the road of using personality assessments, I wanted to cover just a couple of things you could, should consider when researching vendors. So um, what is the assessment designed to measure and how is that going to benefit your organization? Is the assessment reliable and accurate? 
does it effectively predict important workplace behaviors that drive metrics affecting, for example, sales, customer satisfaction, potentially turnover? Does it come with a job analysis tool that allows you to identify behavioral job requirements? How easy is the assessment to take? Does it come in multiple languages? How easy is it to interpret the results? And is the assessment free of bias? Does it comply, obviously, with federal guidelines? So just a few takeaways for those listening to think about as you go down this road. Holly, it was great having this conversation with you. Um, and I can't wait to see where this industry evolves as um, you know AI continues to evolve. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what's next in the, in the personality job assessment realm. I would agree. Thanks for the opportunity, Sherry. Nice to talk to you. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.